Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast presents The Thieves of Dead Dad. Fetch me the jet black man, 
Welcome back to Three Witches and a Druid, where once again, we are gathered around the Zoom meeting talking about personal experiences, living a pagan life. I am Margo. And I am Maeve. Gwen. And I am Brian. This week, we are going to talk about our experiences with spirit guides, spirit animals, what names you call them by. So just to start off this episode, I want to... Like, we might as well deal with the elephant in the room. Right away, yeah. Yeah. Right away. A lot of people feel when it comes to spirit animals, it's a bit of a cultural appropriation issue within uh, Native communities. We're not going to overly get into that. We're not here to debate that. None of us here are of a Native background, so it's, it's not something we can really speak on. The goal of the episode, of course, is not to offend anyone. We're not looking to step on anyone's toes. We're not looking to tell anyone what they should and shouldn't do. But understand that the idea behind spirit guides and animal helpers and such. It's not unique to any one culture. There's lots of cultures throughout history that have this. Be it, I'm not going to pronounce some of these right, and I want to apologize. You demons from Greece, Tulpes, and this is the one I'm going to get wrong the most. Filja, Filga from Norse mythology. There's a variety of animals or spirits who are guiding people through their past or helping them make choices or teaching them lessons. We're not looking to speak on behalf of any one culture. This is just personal experiences that we've had or lessons we've learned traveling on this 
material plane. Yes. Very good. Very well said. I almost want to think that everybody goes into a conversation with that idea that nobody's telling anybody, but you have to sometimes put things in brackets and say, look, this is coming from a place of my personal experience and experiencing a universal kind of concept and practice. So yeah, basically the goal here is we understand that some people view uh, spirit animals as a closed culture aspect of Native American lifestyle, but understanding that there are other cultures around the world, some of them being pagan paths that have these mentalities. Like this is not a unique thing to one group. No, it isn't. And I think one of the reasons why people may think, oh, this is strictly First Nations of North America is that that's the only sort of experiences people hear about here in North America. You know, we become aware of their culture much more. A lot of people do not understand the history. Don't think about it. I mean, you look in Celtic mythology, how many talking salmon are there? <laughs> or even you go back to Roman times, they were very big on animals and myths. You go back to Neanderthals painting on caves walls. Right. But a lot of people, the only exposure they've ever had to is watching TV or hearing stories or when we have native awareness here in North America. So it is not just that. I mean, it's very, very far reaching. Right. So, yeah. That's a good point you've just brought up. We're not only looking to speak of the spiritual aspect, but there's a variety of stories within our paths which involve physical beings in the form of animals and such. Well, even today, sporting teams, the sharks, you know, the wolverines, the dragons, the the broncos. Right. These are all a way of where the broncos or, you know, where the lions, you know, even even in that, it it is used in, in sporting teams, for heaven's sakes. Right. You know, the Dow Tigers, the Smew Huskies. It's used in many, many ways throughout culture. Right. This is not something I personally have experienced. I don't have a lot of experience in this sense. The closest I have as a worshiper of the Morrigan is seeing crows, but I live in North America, Nova Scotia. There's crows everywhere. (laughs) Especially in your neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have one of the largest murders of crows in North America, literally a block away. Yeah, it's huge. I have... And I think it's probably because I'm, I don't know, I'm so much trouble and I need a lot of help. I have a large spirit family. I call them my spirit family, spirit guides from the upper and the underworld. I have several animals that are part of my spirit family. I have been walking with them for many, many years and I find them very, very large part of my life. And I'm not someone who runs with wolves or bears or anything like that. I'm, you know, a snake and the frog (laughs) and a seal kind of girl. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with wolves and eagles and, and all of that. But one thing I would say is I remember when I found out that my main sort of spirit animal was snake, I was mortified. It's like when we were doing the journey work to do that at the end and there's this snake. I'm like, no, no. I say, get away from me. I don't like you. Like, as you know, the snake kind of spooks you when you see one in nature. So it's been a very interesting journey that way for myself. I have a large spirit family that I do walk with a lot. Right. And that kind of also speaks to the idea that the universe does not provide you with what you want. It is going to provide you with what you need. Absolutely. Yeah. You may not get either the fierce or the beautiful or the spectacular animal 
companion that you're hoping for, but who you get, you get for a reason. Who who comes up to you and and who who wants to guide you and who wants to work with you is there for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Got this whole tribe that shows up periodically and one is a goat and I don't mean a big majestic mountain goat I mean a little barnyard billy goat (laughs) you know but what's more sturdy than a goat you know what will help you be steady and go through treacherous terrain than a little goat like they're very hard a lot of the time they're they're a big helper yeah So right now I hear a lot of animals and I have a couple. This actually spawns off. I can think of a couple of different things. I'm curious about other members of your spirit family, not animal. Also, as you say, from time to time, you see them all or whatever. I have also had the experience where I have had a spirit messenger, ally, friend, companion, or I wouldn't say companion because they seem to be associated with a specific time in my life or a specific issue. And they've never really come back to me and then I've had other ones that since I've been doing this work always kind of show up from time to time or you know if I ask Maeve are all of yours sort of always there or do you have some that have just kind of dropped in and and out or are associated with certain aspects of your life once I discovered them now some show up much more than others but I do have a basic crowd and none of them have actually ever left me Mm. like they've never just showed up once now if I'm out walking along the path down the Mac run and all of a sudden a rabbit pops across my path. I might say, oh my goodness, a rabbit has just appeared. I wonder if that's a message for me. I might get a message, say, if I see an animal like, holy cow, why is there a skunk in the backyard? That's never happened. I might go do a little research on the skunk. Is there something I should know? But as far as the spirit family goes, no. Some are there more often than others, I suppose, depending on what you need. Right. But the one that usually shows up when I need to be handed an unpleasant sort of truth, not so much an unpleasant, but when I need to be told something I don't necessarily want to hear, that's always the snake showing up to go. All right, if anyone's delivering, knock it off. You need to be thinking about this instead. That's always the snake. But a message from the other world most often comes in the form of a manifest animal that crosses your path or out of the regular every day and makes you think, oh, this might be a message for me sort of thing. Yeah, some animals that are not necessarily part of my spirit family that I have yeah. will appear because any animal could appear too. You know, you could be walking along and, oh, there's a coyote. I'm not fussy to see you, but <laughs> yeah. you're not something that happens too often. It's when they show up in places they shouldn't be. Right. That's a message. You know what I mean? If you're constantly seeing, you know, a herd of deer in your backyard, well, they just come every day. Maybe the message is put up a fence. <laughs> yeah, that's the message. But protect your flowers, protect your garden. Yeah, but if it's someone outside my spirit family, it's usually in some place that there's no reason for them to be there. Right. Like I say, if there was a skunk in my backyard or something, I'd go, what the blazes is this? <laughs> that's never happened. Then you bring your dog in pretty quick. <laughs> Right. Yeah, my higher self is what I would could only long to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I do work with them a lot, and I find them a great help, especially when I don't feel there's any results I can turn. Say you're having a very bad, everyone has bad times, and they are always there. When you don't think you can, you know, bother your friends anymore, they're always there. And, and, and I do think of them sometimes in terms of comfort as well. Yes. I find not only... Do I look to them for guidance from time to time? But I 
also turn to them for comfort from time to time as well. Would you consider ancestors that you have a relationship part of your spirit family or do you consider that something different? You know, I'm totally open to learning no wrong answer for sure. So in Druidry, ancestor worship is actually is a very important part. So for me, I guess that's how I would view this is often those uh, type of situations are represented by people of my ancestors, parents, grandparents, the people I look up to, that sort of thing. Ancestors of the heart, people you look up to, ancestors of the blood, which are family, be it blood relatives, and then ancestors of the land, which are ancestors you may not have met, but were here on the land before us. They could come in a variety of forms for for me. If any of my family who has passed on is visiting me, they're quite separate from my spirit guides and my spirit animal friends. Right. No, for me, they're quite separate. That That's a, a different thing. They're more a part of me and my blood, and they're people that I knew on this material plane and had a long, long history from childhood with. They're different. They're just somehow separate. Yeah. Not more important, less important or anything like that. Just different. My relationship with them is different. Do they communicate with you through picture, through feeling, through word, through smell or I journey? But I also, you know, if I have something for my, like you say, my higher self for trying to connect with that sort of spirit energy, I will use the dominant, non-dominant handwriting sort of type method. So that can be very specific and, you know, concrete, although the words that come out are poetry and whatever, in the sense that they are conceptual and not analytical. But then I'm really curious how other people, you know, because you always want to know, am I an imposter? Is this real? Is this, you know? <laughs> Is any of it real? You know, I got valid information, so I should just let it go. And I wonder what other people hear in their head. How do these allies, companions interact with you? I'm really curious what other people. I'm not a super, super psychic person. So I usually have to be in a bit of an altered state to communicate. I know, say, now now when it comes to my, you know, my grandparents or whatever visiting me, I can't hear them. I know they're there and I have a friend who will translate for me. <laughs> but the spirit family, I usually have to be in a bit of an altered state. And, you know, sometimes I go, am I just making this up in my head? But no, I have to be either the writing, you know, automatic writing or a meditative state or, or something like that. And you know, if, as you said, if it's good advice, I'll take it. Yeah. I remember one time, Maeve, yeah. we were at, a, it might have been a past life regression. It may not have been a, a connect with your higher spirit, but it was being facilitated. At the end of it, you came back and you had some good information, but you said to the facilitator, you're like, yeah, it was past life. Is this genuine past life? Is this um, my subconscious giving me messages I need? Is this, you know, and you listed off about four or five possibilities and she just went, yes. And I was like, good answer. And yet, uh, just not what I want. I want it in a box and I want to be able to, you know, be able to just reach out and grab this. And I guess that's why it's a mystery and you're not supposed to be, feel super confident. That's something that I know Margo always reminds us. It is a if you start to feel confident, then check your bullshit. Well. You know, because obviously, if you're feeling really confident, you know, you're 
you're not in the right headspace for this. Okay, yeah. You're not challenging yourself enough. You're not challenging yourself enough, yeah. I remember the first time I went to a group facilitated, like a workshop facilitated for a group, do a meditation to meet whoever was there waiting to meet you and having these grand illusions in my head of, oh, I wonder if the animal will be this or the animal will be that. And and it was so very not that. (laughs) (laughs) How I, you know, kind of like, well, I don't think I would have made this up in my head by choice. So... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a yeah. little more likely to believe that this is who chose to connect with me. It's true. Yeah. I was so disappointed when the snowy owl didn't show up. And I was like, there's this snake. And I'm like, seriously, I don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because part of the issue when you start to get into group work like that, unfortunately, once again, the elephant in the room, there's a lot of charlatans out there as well. Yeah. Which is big advantage of individuals yeah there's a whole psychology behind this it's very easy to do as Maven said like it's not a bad thing to question yourself when you experience these to like am i really experiencing this am i really thinking this or making it all up in my head yeah there's a balance between the two of understanding what's real and what's not and it's it's not a bad thing to question it well i have found the answer to that and an answer that has actually satisfied me yeah about this because sometimes I'm going what but then I go back to my answer there's a scene in the final Harry Potter movie and in the book when Harry's off with Dumbledore and whatever the in-between world or the afterworld and he says professor he said is this real or is it all in my head he says well of course it's in your head but what what makes you think it's not real yeah yeah and that's my answer no that's that's a really good answer and if it is me telling, and if it's me, if it's my subconscious telling me things I need to hear, well, then it's good advice. Because if my subconscious said, okay, go on up to the Sobies and shoot everyone, I'd go, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but if it's good advice, you know, if it's good advice, you know, maybe it's stuff I need to hear that I have not brave enough to tell myself in my outside voice. Yeah. You know, the frog is sitting there saying, look here. Maeve, you know, this is what's up. Well, then maybe I needed to hear that. And going back to uh, what Margot said about comfort, when I went through, you know, a couple years uh, after my divorce of being really, really horrible, and it's late at night, and I'm alone, and I'm sad. And if I could, you know, sit in bed and do automatic writing and find some comfort and have someone to talk to, well, then my spirit family was there for me. And I found that a great comfort. It really helped me through, you know, it helped you through a lot of dark times. So... And if it was all in my head, well, that's fine. Then I comforted myself and I felt better. So to change the topic ever so slightly, the other aspect of this is when we get into more of the physical idea of a guide is the idea of a familiar. And this is not judging anyone. I don't know if anyone loves their pets more than pagans. (laughs) Uh, Like, so I have a familiar. He's laying here sleeping next to me as he always does um unfortunately he's coming to the end of his life he's begun to slow down he's not the young teenager he once was none of us are brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah in my hand margo oh my goodness <laughs> oh, well, that's that's an off that's an off-camera conversation about how i pulled my front neck muscle because i sneezed <laughs> <laughs> but like 
<laughs> do, do, you guys, do you guys feel you have any sort of extra strong attachment or connection to a physical animal in your lives? Not me. No? If I ever had a familiar, she's been gone for many years. Yeah. But I have two cats and a dog, and my my one cat is too big of an asshole, <laughs> and the other one's she's a she's a she's too stunned. Yeah. So no, <laughs> not right now. I almost believe that's part of being a familiar is being a little bit of an asshole. Oh no, he he's he's a total asshole. So <laughs> no, no, I, I personally at this time do not. If I had a, ever had a familiar. She's been dead for many years. No, I don't, personally. Not that one might not come along sometime in the future, but at this time. Right, I guess, I guess that's more of the question, is you're open to that concept. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm with you, Maeve. I don't currently have one, and that's probably because a lot of my pets are rescued and have a lot of emotional issues that I'm always nurturing them through, so it's not equal partnership in that way, but we can sometimes develop codependent relationships definitely you know you love them beyond whatever and because they have their own issues that they're overcoming as a rescue animal they can really love their rescuers for sure but to have that sort of familiar experience no sir i have not but i do take your meaning brian that i think that's something and this is something that i think also applies with i hear you know you hear that term soulmate oh we're soulmates and i don't think a soulmate or a familiar is something that means that you're just so simpatico that everything is always uh, sunshine and roses right you can't be your soulmate or your familiar if they don't call you on your bullshit right you know, that's also their job. Yes. So I haven't had that relationship with an animal, although I have loved my pets beyond distraction from yeah. <laughs> beyond what's healthy sometimes. But um, I haven't had that familiar relationship. I am definitely open to it. Marco, what about you? Um, I would say if I had been not so much in my own head at the time, I think Elise may have made a great familiar mm. if I had given her the chance to do that. Right. Leah right now is my bud. Yeah. 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 It's pretty bad when I remember, you know, in my going out after work days and, and people saying, oh, but I have to go home and feed my cat. I'm like, your cat will survive. <laughs> and now I'm like, but I have to go home and feed my cat. But no, she will survive. I'm from <laughs> wild animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so something we were discussing a little bit off camera at the beginning, and I don't know a whole lot about this, so I don't want to stay on it too much. Maybe you guys know a little bit more. But the idea of a tulpas, is that something you guys are aware of? My thought of tulpa is... It's a, like a thought form energy created. It has been associated with, you know, I think it first came into whatever, into Western consciousness by somebody who had actually spent time in the 20s or 30s with a Buddhist monastery in the mountains. But it's thought form energy that you create this energy is created, this thought form, this spirit is created, but then it gains its own sentience, right? So... It is oh. its own sentient thought form. And I was thinking, Maeve, you've dealt with thought forms that have gotten out of hand, I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> and I'll use the word thought form because I know that there's nuances to the term tulpa that maybe we don't quite get. But I think sometimes 
I have done been asked to do a house cleansing, and I think I've done one with you, Maeve, where people have created these spiritual energies, these thought form energies that gain their own limited forms of sentience and whatever, and then kind of rain terror down on the house. We have all had positive experiences that we've been relaying about spiritual guides and allies and companions and stuff. But once you go journeying into the other world, or if you're not aware I mean, a poltergeist is technically, and again, I am happy to be corrected. I'm always on a learning curve, but I think it's a subconsciously created thought form that gains a certain amount of sentience and energy and then creates havoc in its environment. So that is a possibility. When you go on a journey to find a spirit companion, if you're in that other realm, there is no guarantee that what you come back with is maybe a who they identify themselves as there's always that concern that sometimes there are trickster spirits out there there is no guarantee that something comes back with you that you don't want to come back and then is manifest in your environment there's also no guarantee that they're going to give you good advice i mean you want to set pretty good intentions before your journey and i really appreciated starting out with a facilitator but there are great books and I like to be guided in a sense. So, you know, I've read some great ones and stuff or written up my own. I still speak it into a microphone and play it back so that when I'm journeying, I'm not trying to do both. I have had, I will admit, a very, very unpleasant experience once with something on the other side that was not night at all. It happened before I had much experience with soul, spirit guides. I hadn't found my spirit guide. I hadn't found my, you know, my spirit allies in any way. Actually, my first experience ever with a spirit, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, on the other side was a very, very upsetting one. It was a long time ago and I was messed up for weeks. It was absolutely horrible because I didn't have the experience to know what to do and how to handle it. So that absolutely can happen. And as far as things that take form and wreak havoc in your house, I've had that too. Now, I never thought of it in that way, in that it was something that was created in my house. It was, uh, you know, many years ago, it was a negative time many unpleasant things going on. And I kind of feel it was something that maybe, because we do believe in things that are, you know, outside of our range of hearing and seeing and smelling, you know, negative entities of different sorts. I believe it came in my house, maybe on me or on someone. Attracted to some negative. I have almost no mirrors in my house because things have come in. (laughs) I'm not, you know what I mean? But it certainly got a lot of energy once it got in my house and it was a time of uh, upset and unemployment and difficulties. It came in my house and it did wreak havoc and it had to be chased out. It was something. I've never had any experience myself with an entity forming because of thought, but certainly something negative Mm -hmm. slipping in. It's especially important to have your house warded and, you know, cleansed regularly in case because these things can happen. Especially you've got teenagers who are emotional or crazy. That stuff can be coming in all the time. So you got to be careful. I know there are people who do very much believe in you can create the entity. What's it called? Tulpa? Tulpa. Yeah, Tulpa. It's from Taiwan, uh, Nepal. It's uh, a lot of things in sort of pop culture are believed to be Tulpas. Uh, a lot of cryptids. Things that a lot, uh, if you get enough yeah. people believing in. Oh, uh, yeah. I've heard stories 
that there is thought that Santa Claus has become a tulpa, this group thought form, because again, who knows, but there's sometimes these weird showings on radar and stuff on December 24th. And if enough kids think there's something flying in the sky, then is there some sort of electrical blip on something that measures things that fly in the sky that nobody knows what it is? You know, like it actually makes manifest alert, whatever, and it just comes out of that created thought form. But yes, things like a Sasquatch or whatever created tulpas, you know? Fairies have a, a strong connection to that too. Now yeah. it may be more of a pop culture reference, but the whole Tinkerbell and Peter Pan, you need to believe in her to exist. Yes. That, that's a tulpa. The clapping. Well, yeah. you know how that, that saying it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah. The same sort of idea. Mm-hmm. I do believe it's possible. I've had no experience myself with it. And really, what could be more powerful than Santa Claus? Like, have it, you know, <laughs> he's kind of all over the place. Very interesting. It's a very interesting idea. Exactly. The other one I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit about is the Filger, the Norse guardian spirit concept. So in Norse mythology, uh, the Filger isn't just assigned to an individual. It's, it's assigned to a family. It's the same idea as we're talking about, but it's not for an individual. It's for a family or a bloodline or a, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a, a, an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of Eastern sort of Slavic and you hear, cause a lot of that, their folklore has survived in the same way that Irish folklore has survived sort of greater than other areas that sometimes these otherworldly protectors of families are tied to their their home and stuff you know their hearth and that sort of thing and i don't know if they have to make special you know special ceremony if you move from a family home to another to bring it with you but i think that's all part of the norse tradition as well you know like you want to make sure that you bring that protective spiritual guide companion with your family if you are about to move right and i guess doing a little bit of reading here it's it sounds like this is one of the core concepts of where coat of arms came from yes i was just thinking that coats of arms was in coats of arms Mm. the idea behind like a family spirit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that would also maybe have extended to do we have a provincial bird you know, different provinces, different countries, the beaver, the eagle, the bear, the dragon, you know, every country having their national animal, all part of a, an, an identity kind of idea. And again, sports teams or right, it becomes an identity. That would have been, a you know, an extension of this whole family, the whole family kind of idea. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you would have be like a clan thing. Yeah, well, that's how it's suggested. That's how it's sort of written out. It's designated to an individual. It's designated to a, a family. A family, like, you know, the bear, you know, on a coat of arms, a bear and a hawk. Or- yeah. I think whichever one might have been started with my family has long since been exhausted and retired. <laughs> well, plus my family is so huge too like i've got you know 36 cousins and they all have cousins on the other sides of their families as well so so i think also then you also have speaking of animal there's a difference in a sense i would think for that sort of family in the coat of arms you're connecting with you mentioned janet uh, the bear 
you're connecting with the so if you have a bear on your coat of arms and you connect and that's a protective ally for your family that's sort of the spirit of the bear whereas if you personally were in a journey and you met a bear it would be an individual bear you don't meet all goats when you see a goat no so your personal spirit companions are individuals mm-hmm. but then possibly for sports teams you are connecting mm-hmm. with the the wildness and the power of a bronco yeah. or yeah. a mustang oh, or a wild yeah. cat yeah. for sure i i don't yeah. know i i think there is some difference there oh there's a huge difference there absolutely is a difference but i think that when people you know say oh we're not our family doesn't have that or whatever Mm. people have that even if they don't realize it even if it's a sporting team or you know their the, the school they went to kind of idea they have had it in the past but maybe not in most a lot of people don't have it on an individual level but it is, it is very interesting i did that work in the prison actually with men we studied heraldry and the symbols and what they meant and i you know looked up people's family coat of arms as expressed by whatever country they may have come from because maybe a german smith is different from a british smith their coat of arms you know sort of working with those and then do i connect with my family do i connect with the energy on this thing what is important to me to bring through in my life and then creating using the language of heraldic symbols creating their own family crest what's important to me now and some were like i had no idea this is what my family crest looked like i had no idea i i really want to align with that and whatever the motto was or whatever and others were like wanting to make a break with family or whatever and start their own and i think that's valid too i know that was very important to my husband to make his own crest to design his own crest of the things that he valued to him and to make that break from past trauma and stuff so you can take some control of that too you can plug into it but you can also shape it and control it for your best purposes yeah i don't think that a person necessarily has to have the whole spirit journey in this and and you know have gone through all of it spiritual revelation if there is an animal that you love that you really 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 like and you do some research on it and you find these this animal has qualities i like and i would like to work with there's no reason you can't adopt that and do what you like in my mind mm-hmm. oh 100% Absolutely. I know um that one uh, Stephen Farmer book and it says call on this animal when and in the back in the glossary there or you know the index whatever it has if you are having trouble with this or you need help with this these are the animals you can call on. I can still call on an animal that's not part of my family. You could decide I really like the gazelle, you know, maybe you're you're uh, in track and field or something. and you want the help of the gazelle i do not see there's no reason you cannot adopt that and you cannot work with whoever you want so don't feel anyone out there that you have to have this big journey and someone has to guide you and and all of that that is lovely but you can do this yourself and if you say i really like the blue jays in my backyard i think they're a great beautiful bird feisty will they go on out there and work with those blue jays right you know what i mean i i do feel that i wouldn't want anyone to feel limited by what they have access to or what journey work or spiritual this or that that's just my opinion some people may not agree with that they may think you have to be visited or chosen or anything i don't believe that i think you can you can decide 
Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people are going to have a variety of opinions on this, but as pagans, we're we're pretty anti-gatekeeping. So in the end, do what's most comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Again, wildly disappointed when the snowy owl didn't show up because I've loved the snowy owl my whole life. Mm-hmm. But it didn't show up. I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't mean I can't still love you. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, if you did wish to journey or something, I know it sounds cliche, but look on YouTube. There's dozens and dozens of guided journeys and meditations and things like that. The only bit of advice I might give is because uh, I had a, a young fellow asking me for some help but doesn't live in this country. And we were messaging. He says, I found this one. What do you think? And it was an hour and a half long. And this was someone who didn't have a lot of meditation experience and all that. The only thing I would say would be is to start with something a little shorter. An hour and a half is a long time if you're not used to long meditations and journeying and just see what you can find right. you know for anyone who might be interested in that you know ground yourself certainly and all of that but don't be afraid of youtube there's a lot of good there too as much as a lot of bad yeah so right what do you guys think youtube okay with you guys yeah yeah well it's it's just it's just another tool yeah exactly and and you're right there can be bad but there is a lot of good out there and yeah you just have to go set a intention for a positive experience and yeah listen to it first see what you think yeah screen it before you allow yourself to go into that journey state and then think yeah i this resonates with me because if there's something really jarring in it you will not be able to do that altered consciousness if it jars you if the words everything can be presented and be positive and uh, and supportive but if there's some element of it a music or the presenter's voice or something that doesn't resonate with you you're not going to get the best experience there is so much free material available yeah spend some time scrolling around and it, it is so much easier than when we began. Oh, my it? goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so yes. <much> easier. <laughs> the Internet has a lot of lovely things, annoying things. But, I mean, you don't have to buy a book every time you want to know something. It really is lovely. Very, very fortunate. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. And if you have any questions or comments or anything like that you can certainly contact us on our facebook page and if you wanted to give us a nice rating we will happily take five stars and again contact us anytime and until next time everyone merry meet merry parts and merry meet again this has been three witches and a druid podcast thanks for listening